Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The U.S. Army arrived in Los Angeles to end rioting following the acquittal of four police officers over the beating of Rodney King. The U.N. votes for sanctions against Serb-led Yugoslavia to halt fighting. And the maiden voyage of the Space Shuttle Endeavor happened. This is May 1992, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Bruce. And I'm John. And John's bringing this hard-hitting album. I bring to you some Southern rock, the Black Crows. Excellent. You hear that beat? Ooh, I like it that. It does. You know, it's there are certain songs that you can hear, and it's Southern rock, whether there's a line of vocals or not. You hear that voice? That's the voice of Chris Robinson. Very, very distinctive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and his brother... Uh, Started a band in the 80s called uh, The Crows Garden. Not as famous as their later band, The Black Crows. Now, this has got a little background vocals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all their songs. So, they are a classic southern rock band, right? So, they're going to have all kinds of instrumentals. They're going to have keyboards. They're going to have percussions. They're going to have... But what they're going to also have is they're going to have kind of a church choir singing in the background. So Southern Rock, if you don't know much about Southern Rock, uh, fun listener, is um, dates back to the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s. It has roots in both white and black uh, historical music. And it kind of combines the two um, in in such a way that it, it kind of accepts all the genres of rock. And it especially incorporates some of the some of the the black southern choir music kind of sound to it. Yep, that's very uh, common. Now, the C- Black Crows did one thing different, and they kind of went a little bit psychedelic rock. The 1960s uh, uh, drug era, the peace, love, happiness—that mm-hmm. was their that's their shtick, man. They, I have always thought of them as hippies, especially. The way the uh, Chris dresses and everything, Bell, like bell bottoms and embroidery on all of his yes. clothes and stuff like that. And doesn't he wear a hat a lot? Yeah. If you see a video of him, if you saw a video, you would know, you would think, well, this is obviously from the '60s or '70s, right? Because he dresses like he's from the '60s and '70s. But it's a high quality video. It's not grainy. It's high definition. You're like, that could not have possibly been from the 1970s. Now, this is a pretty neat uh, neat song. This song is called Sting Me. The song, uh, Chris doesn't talk about his songs a whole lot unless he's directly asked, but he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. He did a few interviews in 2011, so he's starting to open up about his music. But this song is either, depending on 
the era that you listen to and how you interpret the words. It's either about a girl that keeps breaking his heart, sting me. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to have some more of that. Or it's about heroin use, hmm. and that's a theme you're gonna hear. Maybe the sting of the needle. Yeah, the sting of like an IV or a needle or something like that. Um, there's some, a lot of the music's about drug use and the the desire to make it legal. And they're anti-war on drugs. Hmm. I did hear a little cowbell in there. <laughs> you, you always want to hear a good cowbell. Well, I just wanted to digress. It's sort of like the origins of uh, the music. I mean, this is your blues-based rock and roll. Um, yeah, it has that southern feel. Like I said, the background voices and everything like that. But, yeah, this is sort of like that next echelon. Yeah, after, obviously, the Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, and then you had 38 Special. This is the next generation of that Southern rock. Blackberry Smoke, I think, was around at this time. ZZ Top was pushed was a lot of the famous Southern rock back then. Oh, yeah, then. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of songs you can call Southern rock. Honky Tonk Woman, you can go. Rolling Stones recorded that in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and, you know, that is very Southern rockish. Kid Rock, Hank Williams Jr., both considered Southern rock. Huh. That's a little more on the countryside of Southern Rock, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so this next song is called Black Moon Creepin'. Ooh, fuzzy. I I included it because as if you've ever listened to me on these podcasts, you'll notice that I love a harmonica. That is when you use well in a song. This this song is, I've I've read the lyrics, I've listened to the song 50 times. I think it's, I think it's about... Um, people keeping secrets is what it is the way I kind of interpret it. And there is some fuzz going on yes, in there. It is definitely got that psychedelia going, doesn't it? But it's not grunge, which was about ready to explode at this time. I'm glad you said that. This that's the thing about the Black Crows. So in the in the nineties, grunge had just pushed off glam rock had just pushed off kind of a heavier rock kind of sound, right? Grunge comes in, and grunge is taking over the charts. You got, you got uh, Alice in Chains, you got uh, Nirvana, you got Soundgarden, you got all these bands. But then you got people who want to listen to rock who aren't getting their fix. And Black Crows come on the scene, and they fill that niche, and they go straight to the top. They go straight to the top, number one. I want to say I was a big David Letterman fan, the late night show. Uh, I remember when the Black Crows first appeared on David Letterman. Yep. And David Letterman just like, after they finished, he just threw his papers up and said, "Wow, where have you guys been?" <laughs> they, you know, because it, it is that rock and roll. He was so impressed. I mean, I, it was just unbelievable how great they played. Of course, that was off their first album that they came on to Letterman. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of their music is gonna have that 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 real funky, deep sound to it. I was and just thinking, this has got a funky sound. Yeah, yeah, and it's he is he sings his heart out. Chris Robinson, absolutely singing out. Chris Robinson married Kate Hudson, and they had a child, um, and that kind of softened him up later in the two thousand in the early two thousands. Um, and they they kind of didn't didn't tour very much. They were together for a while. He had a falling out with his his brother. I haven't even introduced the whole band. So you got Chris Robinson on vocals. You got his brother Rich Robinson on guitar. 
You got Mark Ford on guitar as well. You got Johnny Cole on bass. You got Steve Gorman on drums. And you got Hetty Harsh on keyboard. And then you got a plethora of other people singing background vocals, doing harmonica, doing various percussion stuff. But these guys, so Rich and his brother, Rich and Chris had a falling out for a while, which ruined the band for a good long, sure. long while. And then they got back together after his divorce from Kate Hudson, and they kind of talked it out. I think in 2011, 2012, they started, you know, really doing some more music. Now, do they still come out with original music, or are they more classical? So the. They do. They do a lot of classic stuff, but they are in. The, they are in the studio writing, as far as what I understand. Uh, and, and in fact, I think their game plan is to produce more music. But we'll see. Why do I get this confused that they're out of Atlanta? I don't know why. Marietta, Georgia, my friend. Oh. Born and bred in Marietta, Georgia. He went to Woford College. Oh. He was okay. born in 1966 in Marietta, Georgia. Grew up here in Atlanta. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, this is absolutely an Atlanta band. Oh, okay. 100%. Good deal. I love the name of the album, too. The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. You know you know what you're getting. Yeah, that's you buy, right. What, what kind of album is this? It's the Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. <laughs> I covered uh, Driving and Crying a couple of episodes back, and they're an Atlanta band also, and I kind of see some similarities between the Black Crows and Driving and Crying in a lot of ways. Yeah, Driving and Crying is is some of the music's considered Southern rock, so yeah. they, they have a lot of the same roots. As I recall, one of the members of Driving and Crying is was in an early iteration of the Black Crows. Well, they, yes. they, their, their lineup has changed so many times. Now, Black Crows used to tour with Ozzy. They, they toured with Ozzy Osbourne for a while. Um, they... they 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 know everybody in the scene, so I mean, if you back in the early '90s, they were big. That was a neat song, and that's a was that a single or was that they had four singles off of this album, and that was one of them, yeah. And here's the one we all know. This is the biggest one off yeah. the album. Yeah. I want to point out real quick: we're only covering three tracks because they're pretty long they're very long but hard to choose from too i'm sure yeah if you buy an album you're only gonna get a few songs but you're gonna get a full album well bruce mentioned that this is the cd era and you had tons of room on a cd so you just put long songs out there not really a radio edit or anything like that and i remember there were hidden songs on albums you just you'd go like Track number sixty nine was another song. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or they do this. They do that. That crazy thing where they just let this let dead air play and then a song would come on. Yeah, it's crazy. So Chris Robinson about Remedy. I got a quote from him. Just, I want to give you a direct quote because you need to hear this. Remedy is a song that is essentially about freedom. We were into the whole idea that the war on drugs was just silly. It was the asinine concept to me and millions of other people. So that song to me is about freedom, plain and simple. Just put it in a rock and roll framework. Wow. So, yeah, so Chris Chris was like this massive advocate. He used to play at these, in Atlanta, actually, he played at a, like a, a marijuana festival where the whole idea was it to make, to legalize marijuana. Well, we're, what, 30 years later, more than that, and it's slowly coming. 
We have a uh, unique tie-in with the name of this song, too, don't we, Bruce? Yes, indeed. A little shout-out to Keith Speed over in Gainesville at Remedy Distillery. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he got some nice whiskeys there. But he uh, he was inspired to name his distillery based on based from this song. Really? The I, idea I like of, it. I need a remedy, because whiskey was a kind of a patent medicine back in the day. Oh, back in the day, they used to give it to kids. They'd water it down and give it to kids to kind of, yeah, I guess as a cold medicine, that and honey. That's what that's what Sandy tells Bruce when she needs a drink. I'm not feeling good. I need some of that. What is it? Whiskey? It's a, it's a little cough syrup. That apple whiskey. I really didn't appreciate the black crows at the time as much because I was more into the grunge, and I've told you guys more into grunge, grunge and some other rock formulas outside of Southern rock. But the older I've gotten, the more appreciation I've gotten for them. Yeah, I th- here's the thing. At the time, in 92, I was a massive grunge follower. I loved Nirvana. I loved Pearl Jam, all those bands. But like, like Wayne said earlier, when they hit... They hit hard, and like they 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 came out of nowhere, and I mean they they literally had been around since the mid '80s, but like when when uh, their 1990 song uh, uh, album hit, and like every every song on that album is a hit. And you know what uh, stations they played on? They actually played on 96 Rock in Atlanta and on 99X. That's right. Which was the alternative station. Yep, exactly. In fact, I think today they play on 99X on, on the current the current iteration yeah. of 99X. Um, but they they were such a flash in the frying pan there for like the a four or five year period. They were so massive, and then they kind of they kind of waned a little bit. Uh, their popularity did, you know. As as in most of that is the truth. Of the, the truth of the matter is that most of that was due to drugs. So these guys they didn't just sing about drugs. Gr- drug culture they were taking drugs heavily oh they, yeah they they lived what they sang oh yeah they weren't they weren't fakers they were they were on it why must you live by the songs that you wrote <laughs> exactly <laughs> well see what but the problem is, is that if you're on heroin a lot you're not going to produce much music and you're not going to show up it good. is not it is not a drug for productivity is you know it? what i like about the sound of this is it sounds live it like does. you can you can you feel like they're playing in front of an audience and moving around. I mean, listen to this. They're getting into it. I, and, and the truth of the matter is that their, their music videos, if you go watch them on YouTube or something, they're very uh, upbeat. He's up dancing. He weighs like 130 pounds. I mean, he's six Soaking feet tall. Yeah. He's six feet tall, and he is rail thin. Um, and he's just... He looks like he's straight out of 1965. I mean, that's the thing I was thinking when you said he was playing uh, opening for Ozzy Osbourne. I don't know that I would want the Black Crows opening for me because I think you'd have serious risk that they're going to blow you off the stage. Not if your name's Ozzy Osbourne. Not if your name's Ozzy Osbourne. Here's the ending. It's classic, too. It takes a while for it to end, too. Thanks, John. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, pick up this album, the previous album. The previous album was uh, yeah, their, pre- their 1990 album was amazing. Probably hard to choose, but thanks for bringing that one. All right. So now we're going to move on to our entertainment track brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. And this is a little bit sad, I think. 
Yeah, Johnny Carson made his final appearance on the Tonight Show. You remember who replaced him? Jay Leno. Jay Leno, that's right. Big battle there. Golden Girls and MacGyver had their final episodes in May of 1992. Same with Night Court. They had nine seasons on Night Court. I didn't even know that. And also, one Saturday night staple for us, Hee Haw. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Did they make it to 92? Wow. (laughs) Wow. I used to sit sit with my grandmother and watch that show so much. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And let me tell you, I watch the Johnny Carson show now. Like there's really? a there's a channel called the Johnny Carson Show channel. Wow! And you can wow. it just 24 hours a day back to back Johnny Carson episodes. Well, he did. He must have done 20 years of. of uh, uh, the I don't think show. it was that. Yeah, it probably was 20 years. Yeah, in the early 70s. Yes. Robert Reed dies of AIDS. If you remember, he was the father of in Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Sesame Street broadcast its 3,000th episode in the real world. Debuted on MTV. I don't that know was, if you remember that. That was, that was the MTV. start of the end for MTV, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And all those crazy uh, live shows. Yep. All right. I'm going to lead off the staff picks. This. Oh, Rob, what you got? Who does it sound a little bit like here? We talked about Ozzy. A little bit Ozzy. I thought it sounded a little bit like Rat. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I can see that. This is live version of The Wildlife by Slaughter. So, this was released in May of 1992. And I was trying to find a version of this that wasn't live, and only the live version was available. This was from their second album, and uh, the album is called The Wildlife. And here's the chorus. Their mega hit was Stick It To Ya. From 1990, they had Up All Night, Spend My Life, Mad About You, and a song called Fly to the Angels. Brian covered oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was episode 95. Love, I love that song. That's a great song. This song made it to number eight on the Billboard charts. Really? Yeah. 1992. They put out three singles. None of the singles made it in the top 40. They had The Wildlife, Days Gone By, and Real Love. This is right at the, as, as hair, hair metal bands are, are about to fade out and be eclipsed by uh, grunge, grunge, isn't it? Grunge, yeah. you, had, you, had, you had grunge and you had uh, boy bands coming on the scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we haven't had a boy band make it on What the Riff yet, have we? <laughs> and we won't. <laughs> We did have the Jackson 5. We did have the Jackson 5. The Beatles are kind of a boy band. All right, I'll do Donny Osmond. Twisted my arm. (laughs) They they actually ended up doing five studio albums and three live albums. When they were trying to get their third album going, their guitarist was arrested for drug trafficking, and the bass player wrecked his motorcycle and screwed up his hand. I wonder if he was friends with Chris Robinson. Uh, Probably. (laughs) Interestingly enough, the name of the band is a guy's last name. Oh, really? Yeah, Mark Slaughter. Vocals, guitar, keyboards, piano. And then you got Tim Kelly on guitar, Dana Strum on bass, and Blas Elias on drums. It's like he was destined to have a heavy metal band named Slaughter. I know. It was a perfect fit. I knew a paper sales lady. Her name was Judy Sells. 
I like it. <laughs> did she? She did. She was really good. She was really good. My last name is Lynch. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I think you're about to be canceled, my friend. Yeah, really, buddy. <laughs> Don't, too late. you got to change the spelling of the last name. All right. <laughs> so now we're going to go to Wayne for his staff pick. And what do you have for us, Wayne? Guys, I don't know what it is about me picking these long dance songs from the Sisters of Mercy. A while back, I did a song called More. And here's more of Sisters of Mercy with Temple of Love. This is a re-release in 1992. Originally, they did this in 1983. I tried to look for that version. I could not find it. But this is one of those songs you can tell. This is eight minutes of just sweating on a dance floor. Were there I mean, any sisters in the band? No, no. They're... they're they try to keep from calling themselves what they were, but most people put them in that goth music sound, sort of like The Cure. And yeah. People of I'm that starting, sort. I'm starting to think, Wayne, this is not a Catholic school. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Listen to that voice. Yeah. I recognize his voice, his vocals. Sounds a little like Wall of Voodoo to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's starting to pick up in the, in the you know, you can hear the, the I assume it's a violin, but you know, it's a. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Is that kind of a Nightwish or a Queen's Rite kind of thing? That's what I was thinking. Nightwish was what I first thought when It's very Nightwishy. Yeah, it got that operatic sound. Well, this song, Temple Love, is the band's biggest hit. This version from 1992, not the 83 version. Um, it peaked at number three on the UK uh, chart, and that's where they're from, the UK. It also reached the top five in Germany, top 20 in Austria and Ireland, and top 25 in Sweden, but it was not a hit in the United States. I had to have heard this song on either, it, it was a college radio station called Album 88 or the Georgia Tech radio station, WREK. Right. Because yeah. they would play these songs, and who knows, I may have heard it on MTV, but... I think um, they were slowly getting rid of videos at that time or doing, you know, stuff like the real world. So you said this one had success. The 1983 version did not. No, they had. They put this out in 1983. I tried finding it. I couldn't find it anywhere on. on because the end. this sounds like something from 1983 to me. Yeah. Yeah. But this was a re-release in 92? Yes, that's correct. Well, that was one of the big things about 99X that came out at this time. The Alternative Station, they played a ton of 80s music. It was like they went back and incorporated, you had 80s music and then grunge, and Alternative playing. Well, the Sisters of Mercy got their name from a Leonard Cohen song, Sister of Mercy. So that's where they got their name from. But there are there is a Catholic group out there called Sisters of Mercy also. Um, some people that think this song is about Vietnam because there was an illicit place in Hanoi called the Temple of Love. Um, and others think it's about heroin addiction, but, you know. I'm starting to see a theme with this, this uh, episode. <laughs> Somebody's arrested for drugs. It's heroin addiction. We got the Black Crows over here. Well, the... I mean, here's the lyric is, And the devil in a black dress watches over. My guardian angel walks away. Life is short and love is always over in the morning. 
black wind comes carry me far away. So you can kind of see how it can cope both ways because, I mean, those guys in Vietnam, they would go to Hanoi and just, you know, find a temple of love for, you know, a little break from the Is the this board. girl that's doing the background stuff? She's part of the band, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've got the name. I It's like B-52s kind of. So there bit, was yeah. a sister. Of mercy. Actually, there was. Uh, they kind of interchanged different women coming in, but yeah, they had a very similar sound and stuff. And I have it. Um, Andrew Edrich is the leader of this, and I mean, he uses a drum machine called the Decorder Avalanche, and um, and that's one of the things that points throughout this is he designs this. And if you notice, that's where the driving force comes from. This song. Yeah, I can see that. You said this is a group from the UK. Yeah, they're out of Leeds, England. So. Okay, all right. Because it's got a German or Scandinavian Definitely death metal sound. sound. Germany. I'm glad yeah. you said that because I was going, what was, what's your version of this? I'm, I'm thinking that what was it, the Hans and Franz guys or whatever. What was our teacher? <laughs> Sprockets. Rockets. Sprockets. That's what it was on Saturday Night Live. Yes. I was thinking uh, ABBA. ABBA. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely sounds like ABBA. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. taking a chance on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's got that minor key. It's very industrial. I mean, to me, it's 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 got a, a what they said. I saw somebody say it was a dark culture. I mean, you know, just it's dense. It just chugs along. It's just going, 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 going. You think Wednesday Adams could dance to this one? Oh yeah. Like I said. You know, at the industrial dance hall, and you could just see the sweat just dropping off. This is Bruce's Waterloo. <laughs> Someone called it an industrial groove machine. In 1991, wow. they organized a tour with a double act, Public Enemy, and I think I mentioned this when I did covered more. And fearing a clash between white fans of the Sisters of Mercy and the Blacks Fallen Public Enemy, several cities banned their performances. And I just think that's ridiculous. I think that you would find that those two groups have a lot more in common than than you would think. Also, mentioned before uh, when I did more, they stopped. Recording and putting out songs in the 90s. Now they're touring, but they just believe that, you know, they're going to keep everything kind of fresh for their audience. So when you go see them, you're going to hear, you'll probably hear these songs more and, 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 and Temple of Love, but you're going to hear a lot of other stuff that doesn't get recorded, and they're on strike from a record company, so that's what they were saying. So are they... Are they then doing older songs that they've done that just didn't get airplay, or are they doing new stuff? They're doing new stuff, new, okay. new to us, because it's not recorded. Got it. So unless you go to the concert and you've gone to several of them, you're not going to you know, hear them again. Hmm. Unless, I guess, enough people out there stealing it and putting it on the web, but I'm sure he's probably you know, litigation against those people. Got a little bit of that riding on the Metro here. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Laser lights and smoke and, you know, kind of haunting voice. A lot of physical focus in his, in his tour. 
I wish you would have picked a longer song, Wayne. Yeah, I know. Uh, this was so short. But when you do Electronica, ah, it's it's a great song, buddy. Really, I mean, to me, drive with this song, see what happens. I could literally go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> as fast well as you played. drive, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, next we're moving on along to Bruce. What do you have for us? This is the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead by Ecstasy. You had to pick Ecstasy on the Black Crows podcast. That was a complete coincidence, I assure you. <laughs> so the group is the letter XTC. And this is off of their 12th studio album. I had no idea that they had put out 12 albums at, albums at this point, but it's called None Such is the name of the the, uh, the album. I remember this. You do? Absolutely. So it's an English band. It did go to number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. And XTC is... It's a group that had a lot more airplay in England. I think about uh, uh, Wayne and I saw uh, a thing on the Jam recently, and I think that I think of XTC as as a group that's kind of in that category where they had a lot of popularity, a, kind of a cult following in England, and it didn't do as well in the U.S. Well, they came in that uh, early MTV era, right? Uh, and the new wave. I know they had several songs there. Yeah. So they were, they got their start in um, with the punk and new wave periods, but uh, they really don't fit into any particular genre. I think uh, if you were looking at a genre, it would be kind of a, a post-punk or a, a Brit pop or, or something like that. Power pop band, something like that. I can tell you this did not play on the radio stations where I grew up. It did not. No. So... The song was inspired um, by Andy Partridge, who's one of the founders and one of the main songwriters of the group. He he had done a jack-o'-lantern for Halloween and put it up on a, on a post. And he would walk by it every day, and of course this jack-o'-lantern is looking getting a little sadder by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, oh, no. I suppose. You hate to see it. Yes. But he started thinking about that, and, and he was like, um, the idea is it's a guy who comes to town spreading wisdom and cash around, and he's popular with the people, but not with the powers that be. And they wind up nailing him to a block of wood for being too good. Okay, I can see why their their band name is named after a drug. Yeah. <laughs> So, you might have heard this one, not in the Ecstasy version, but the Crash Test Dummies also did this song, and they did that for a movie that came out in 1994, which I think we would all agree should have received the Academy Award. Absolutely it should have. Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is one of the greatest movies ever. <laughs> that might be where I heard it. 
Yeah, but you heard the Crash Test Dummies version for sure. That was way more fo- popular in the U.S. Might have been. Might have been. But I get a kick out of listening to some of these groups that, like this song, I don't recall it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've enjoyed doing about with What the Riff is you kind of dig into some of these songs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you go back and listen to these and it's like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And especially wedged in there between the, uh, the, the hair metal bands and the grunge movement, it's nice to hear a song like this, which is much more straightforward rock. Now, they're a pretty old band, though. Really. They, well, they are, yeah. They came out came out in the 70s. Yeah, like I said, it was his 12th studio album. Yeah. Are they still out touring? I don't know. Probably be an interesting greatest hits. It, it, you know, to me, I kind of throw it in that spando ballet type type music a little bit. Yeah. So pray for Peter Pumpkinhead. All right. So now we're going to go back to the guy who started it all off for us, and that is Mr. John Lynch. Oh my goodness! You recognize that? 1972, Harry. Harry Chapin. Yeah. Hey, you remember this version? Yeah, I remember it. I bought this album for this song. Really? Oh, really? Yeah, because I loved this song. I loved the original version. Yeah. Um, this is by Ugly Kid Joe. Um, came out. Obviously, it's a cover from the Harry Chapin uh, original. Um, Sandy Chapin uh, wrote a poem. Uh, she was married to a, 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 a guy before she was married to Harry Chapin, and she he was uh, an aspiring lawyer for New, in New York, but he was traveling, going to school, working in New York. He was constantly gone, and she's driving her car. She had to drive a long way for work, and she would listen to music, and she was listening to songs about... She heard a song. She said she doesn't remember which song it was. She heard a song about a couple who just sat with each other and watched time go by hmm. and she said that hit me and it, she's like it really takes two people to teach each other how you want to be treated and so she wrote Cats in the Cradle, the, the poem well Harry and she marry each other, they, they're they living a happy life, uh, he loves her poem and when she gets pregnant and, and has their son he decides I'm going to take that poem that you made, I'm going to change it a little bit I'm going to turn it into a song. Interesting. And thus, Cats in the Cradle was born. And the song's about uh, taking, uh, you teach each other how you want to be treated in this life. It takes two people. So the dad in this song, sadly, teaches his son that everything is important except for him. And the son takes that lesson to heart. And when his dad grows old and wants to spend time with his son, the son has learned the lesson well, and now he doesn't spend time with him. Karma. I actually kind of have this going on with a friend of mine. Nothing as awful, but, you know, I'll invite him. Hey, man, come on over to the house. So let's go watch a football game. He goes, hey, man, I can't do it, but we'll get together then. And then I always, my reply was, we'll have a good time then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me introduce the band. You got Whitfield Crane. You got Klaus Eichstadt, Cordell Crockett, Dave Portman, and Zach Morris. Um, they 
much like many other bands, toured with Ozzy Osbourne. Um, they had their roots in Judas Priest. They've been around for a while before they did this, and a lot of their songs, a lot of their bigger songs are covers. Um, Not the one I covered. I covered as a staff pick. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had some original hits that are good. I Hate Everything About You. Yeah. You know you know how they got their name, Ugly Kid Joe? There was a glam rock band called Pretty Boy Floyd. <laughs> and they were like, we're just going to make it the exact opposite of that. This is another one of those bands that I see as just not taking themselves very seriously. No. If you look at the name of their albums, they're yep. all joke names. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, this one's called America's Least Wanted. Yeah, America's <laughs> Least Wanted was this album. It's like my T-shirt that says, World's Okayest Dad. There you <laughs> go. This, that, you know, I get it. It's, it's, it's a little heavier, but they are staying faithful to the sound of the original Yeah, song. they do. And, you, and both versions are excellent. If you haven't listened to either version, that download, pay, buy both these versions, listen mm-hmm. to them. They're, I mean, they're just excellent songs. Kind of a, kind of sad, but oh, it is a sad yeah. song. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for people who, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I did the things I did as a father, just trying to be a part of my daughter's life. All right, well, now we're moving on to our instrumental track. We're going to talk a little bit about other things that were going on in May of 1992, but who is this? This, my friends, is Joe Satriani. As if we really didn't know that. That's right. (laughs) Summer song. All right, top hits of May of 1992. Jump, crisscross. Bohemian Rhapsody, Queen. Like 20 years after it originally came out because of why? Wayne's World. That's right. Save the best for last, Vanessa Williams. Tears in Heaven, Eric Clampton, obviously. That's a great song. Another sad song. Amazing, amazing song. My Love from In Vogue. Some other things that happened in music of 1992 in May. Lawrence Welk, he dies. And I don't know about you, but... We talked about different things that happened at that time, but Friday, Saturday nights, I we're kind of almost forced to watch Lawrence Welk because there really was nothing else on. Yeehaw and Lawrence Welk, I think, back to back. as I recall, back to back. Yep. All right, some albums that came out: Santana, Iron Maiden had Fear of the Dark, Indigo Girls, Rites of Passage, Melissa Etheridge. Never enough, and then we kind of we had some folk rock going on at yeah, the yeah. time, and a lot yeah. of female-led rock. Saxon, Forever Free, Kiss, Revenge. I do not remember that album, and I probably wasn't very good. Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> shots Gave fired. Off. Yeah, really. Was that achy breaky heart? I think so. Wow. Oh Los Lobos, Kiko, and Ringo Starr had time takes time. We had a few movies that came out that we didn't get to during the entertainment part. Uh, we had Far and Away, which is an epic Western. Oh, it's yeah. one of mine and Heather's favorite movies. Really? It's such an amazing movie. It's about about the Irish potato famine. and, and, and Oh, yeah. It's, it's so oh, that was, uh, was that Tom Cruise? Tom Nicole Cruise, Cruise and, and yeah. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, Nicole that Kidman. Good Ron, Howard, no, Ron Howard directed I've that. I have no wish to fight you. And then he punches <laughs> his horse. <laughs> Encino Man, the comedy with Son Austin, uh, Brendan Fraser, Polly Shore. That was really bad. 
we had a couple number threes. Alien 3 was Sigourney Reaver, if you remember that. I do. Yeah. That was actually a really, really good movie. I enjoyed that they one. Had, that's a franchise that has kept it pretty yeah. pretty strong through all the re, the uh, additional ones. And I think the best of the franchise, believe it or not, was Lethal Weapon 3, the buddy film that with Mel Gibson one. and Danny Glover. And the reason why was because of Joe Pesci. That's where he... He became a... Lethal Weapon 2 is the best Lethal Weapon. Yeah. I don't want to fight you. (laughs) Then the big comedy, Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, yeah. That was actually a pretty fun movie. If you just check your brain at the door, don't go in with any expectations. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff. We've been in May of 1992. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Bruce. And I'm John. We'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?